What's happening, folks? How the hell is everyone getting on? I hope you are all doing well in lockdown land, if you're listening to it right now. Or at some stage in the next few months, I can't see us being out of lockdown before summer 2021 anyway. Look, we'll not, we'll not think too much about that. Let's get into today's episode. This podcast will be a great one for anybody who's had pains, niggles, or any sort of issues with small injuries that have been affecting them during or outside of training. So today I have a very special guest and his name is Andy Ewington. So Andy is a coach. He was my coach online for over six months uh, around this time last year. And as I say in the podcast, I probably made more progress with him than I had done in the year or two years before. So Andy comes from a background of playing hockey and coaching hockey. From there, he kind of ventured off into CrossFit. And now he has kind of transferred himself into his new role as fitness mechanic. And we kind of get into what that means in the podcast. Expect a lot of talking around how sport can influence your training and being able to progress. We also talk a lot about CrossFit and its most common injuries. And what it's like to coach a CrossFit Games competitor. Before we actually get into the nitty gritty of the podcast, I just want to say thanks to everybody who's listened to the podcast so far and apologies for the delay on new episodes being updated or uploaded. I have started working in a gym two days a week, whereas before when I started the podcast, I was only working from home doing online coaching. So I've had to adjust my schedule a little bit, find the right balance, and I think just starting to get it right now and as we're going into lockdown again i'm probably gonna have a lot more time for podcasts but i'm gonna keep a nice consistent pace with a try and get one out every two weeks for you i've got a nice little backlog of them coming up so we have no shortage of content as always if you really really enjoy this podcast please give it a review on apple podcast give it a rating leave me a little comment there share a picture of it to your story tag me in it let me know that you're enjoying it pass it around to friends it's the only way for other people to hear the good word that myself and the other people that I have on are talking or saying. <laughs> if you are interested in signing up for our free newsletter, I'm going to leave a link in the bio. Inside that, there will also be a link to, to our new merchandise. And you can also sign up for our one-to-one coaching or our group coaching programs. If you enjoy the podcast, maybe it's worth your while investing in yourself creating a bit of structure for yourself creating a bit of accountability accountability which is badly needed right now by all okay that's enough plugging you enjoy the rest of your day and hopefully this podcast will play a big role in that boom and we are live thanks again for coming on andy thanks for input no problem and for People who don't don't know Andy, Andy uh, is is a coach. He coached me for a while. I would say it was about six six or so months, and in that period, I probably put, uh, got stronger and I got uh, more mobility gains and definitely more brain gains in a six month period than I probably ever had. So thanks for that again. Um, and to start off, do you want to tell us uh, a wee bit about like your starting off as a coach? Because you start off in CrossFit or initially, or maybe it was hockey. You started coaching first, was it? Uh, yeah, it would have been like CrossFit would have been the first like job, I guess. Um, I came over to Ireland to play hockey, and then I started training CrossFit. Uh, I needed something to try and keep me sort of, 
I guess, entertained while uh, while training, and that was that. And then uh, when I couldn't actually get a a visa for for hockey anymore, um, I needed to to find work, and it was actually CrossFit that I could get a I could get a visa for. So, and this was what's that like six maybe nearly seven years ago now. Um, so back then the fitness industry was pretty small, especially in Ireland. So it wasn't, it was considered almost like a high skill job to be a CrossFit coach. Um, and uh, not so much anymore, but <laughs> I was about to say that, would you still consider it? <laughs> oh, you, you can't, it's actually, um, because I, I just keep an eye on because I'm still dealing with some visa stuff and that and, um, like anything to do with fitness is on the, like the no list. So you have to, I think you have to have a job that's like 60 or 70 grand plus a year. Um, and you know, no one else can be capable of doing it in Europe. So it's, uh, it's pretty difficult, I think, to get a job now in, in fitness or get a visa for, for fitness over here. But luckily I did. Um, and yeah, that's, that's how I got my start in, in coaching. Um, and you've been making, you've been making the branch from kind of CrossFit into your new kind of the new thing now, which for yourself is the fitness mechanic. So yeah, that, that's a, that's a, it's not that it's a, a U town, but it's a, a change in the journey. What, uh, what was the, the big, the big thing or what were the things that kind of made you want to change from just being maybe a CrossFit coach into what you are now? Um, well, I started doing the OPEX courses pretty early on. Like I think within a year, um, the guy I was working for, Michael Price, was getting coached by James Fitzgerald. Um, so I got introduced to like the OPEX methods pretty quickly, and uh, I started doing that. And then I initially kind of started seeing like the the individual sort of programming could get better results potentially than like the group programming, just because you know you're doing something specific to you. So every session you go in is designed for you. So uh, that was kind of the idea and I guess being sort of like uh, I've always been a competitive athlete so and I've always known in teams is that even though you train as a team you know I wouldn't if I was say playing rugby if, if I was fullback I wouldn't be doing line out drills mm. like it's you know I don't need to do that so it, I saw it the same way in CrossFit it's kind of like well you can train as like a team but you've got to do different things and then you come together and you know you all play a match together um and, and things like that and it's good fun and i i guess i focused on trying to blend that and it just didn't really it didn't really work um because on one hand you had the crossfit gym selling group training as great fitness and then me trying to sell individual stuff uh and they're a bit bit conflicting and it uh yeah it just never really worked um in that sense and then I guess just over time I I just found myself I'm more interested in in the movement and the specifics uh, of the person rather than the sort of uh, I don't know like the the design of programs and that doesn't really like excite me as much as like getting into the, the details of how the person is moving and how to improve their performance mm. and I also had the benefit of the last few years. I've uh, had a guy, Albert Keogh, he's a physio and he's always been in, in CrossFit, like he's coaching in CrossFit, he owns CrossFit 536 and uh, him being a physio. So I got to obviously learn a lot through him. Mm. 
um, just on movement and, and injuries. And then slowly just started to see a bit of a gap between like all these people, they, everyone, like there seems to, initially there was like, you know, everyone hated CrossFit. If uh, like you can't do kipping pull-ups are terrible for your shoulders, like especially butterfly pull-ups. Um, but in saying that, I've actually transitioned more people with shoulder pain to butterfly pull-ups and become pain-free than I have going back to kipping. <laughs> like, especially, especially in guys, like the, the butterfly pull-ups are strong enough and the motion is actually reduced. So there's actually less extremes on the shoulder joint if you're strong enough. Uh, if you're if you're not, then you're probably in a bit of trouble. But these guys are strong enough, and they start doing butterflies, and they're going, "I don't have shoulder pain." Six <laughs> months later, I still don't have shoulder pain. Okay, well, you know, these things aren't bad. They just you need to apply them. And for a good while, everyone hated CrossFit. You know, if you did CrossFit, you, if you got an injury, you were just told to stop it. Uh, and I think there was, and now there's like this this good rehab to get the shoulder or get the wrist or the elbow or the knee or the hip or whatever back into a good place to start training. Mm. And then there's CrossFit training. And it's like, well, you, you can't go from that rehab training to CrossFit training. Like it is where, how do you, how do you sort of integrate the new movement back in? How do you get the volume back to where you were? Uh, you know, like there's, little bits of studies and things that say you should only really increase your volume by about 10% a week. And so you find your starting point and it should be a slow progression. Whereas people come back from an injury and three weeks later, they're trying to hit their old volume. Straight and, back into it. But that, yeah. that, happen, that happens in almost every sport. Like let's say a sport that I would, I would train a lot of people online, what would be Gaelic football. And let's say someone comes back from an injury, they haven't done any running training, haven't done any, live game training and then it's boom straight back into two trainings a week and then a match at the weekend without any middle ground there yeah and yeah and like i i, I know why they do it because i did it for years i mean exactly i mean i played i came over to ireland played this played a hockey season flew home to new zealand played a hockey season flew back to ireland <laughs> played a hockey season went back to new zealand then went to italy then came over to back to ireland sort of thing like, <laughs> i played I think I played, like usually play, you know, like one season a year. I think I played 10 seasons in six years. What was the body like at the end? Oh, it's, it's destroyed. Like I can't, like, it's, <laughs> <laughs> um, like I don't really have any injuries at the moment, but I, you know, I haven't played really in three or four years. So basically I also had a bit of, I guess, a higher stress role in hockey with the, with the flicking side of things. It's quite harsh on the body and, uh, you do see if you just watch trends that the flickers tend to have the shortest lifespan. Um, it's like a running back in American football. Yeah, just, you know, <laughs> uh, they can be brilliant at what they do, but like, yeah, it, it takes a total on the body. So, uh, yeah, I just noticed that I had to spend far too much time trying to keep my body in check to play at the level I wanted to play at. Mm. And if I didn't do that, I would get injured. And if I just played casually, I would get injured because I was still like fit enough and strong enough to play at a top level, but my body wasn't prepared for like the change of direction and, and all that. So I'd pick up a hamstring injury and then I couldn't coach anyone because I couldn't squat or deadlift or show them how to move. <laughs> so I'm like, I can't afford to play like casual sport and get injured when you're playing elite sport. 
people are accepting of, of injuries, but mm. you know, when people are paying you good money to come in and coach them and you can't move. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I haven't been faced with, with any of that yet. I, as, as you know, I, I started uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and I, I did a competition a while back and if any of the, if I got an injury from that, like it would be a lot harder to explain than if, like if it was an elite one and, it's probably this well, maybe not to the same degree in Ireland with like Gaelic football because it's not like local clubs wouldn't you wouldn't be considering them elite. But like if somebody got injured and couldn't work because of it, I think they might be more accepting of it in Ireland with Gaelic football. Any other sport, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, especially not hockey. Hockey's a girl sport over here. <laughs> I'd say there was a big uh, was there a big change in like the culture uh, whenever you started playing ho- hockey over here compared to back home. Uh, how do you mean? As as in like that, you know, like it's not seen like it was seen as a girl sport, whereas at home yeah. it's probably different. Yeah, it is. Like it's the in back home, it's well, I I'd, I'd say it's the second biggest sport behind rugby uh, in terms of players because like, soccer is not very big. Um, soccer would always like when well, when I was growing up and playing soccer was always for like the rich boys and like the little <laughs> soft, you know. <laughs> If you played if you played soccer, you were really soft. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hockey was hockey was okay because we had sticks and the ball was rock hard. So there's a <laughs> you know there's a bit of fear and that was uh, what held together. And uh, but yeah, it was it was strange coming over here because there was you know Ireland were qualifying for top tournaments and things, and the men were actually really good, and they had like no sponsors and no one paid any attention to them. And you're going well. Technically, on a world stage for a while, there the men were better than the women, but the like it just wasn't seen or recognised. Um, I wouldn't have even kind of, known that. That that's funny. Yeah. I wouldn't have even known that yeah, Ireland would have been doing that that well at it. Yeah, Ireland like uh, and I think that's kind of the thing. They, um, I mean, a stumbling block I think for Ireland is just it's not not to say anything bad against Gaelic, but having those sports it takes out so many athletes out of a small population. Mm. Like, New Zealand plays rugby and like we play cricket because we have the, the seasons are so different in New Zealand. It's like you, you play your winter sport, you play your summer sport. Mm. Uh, hockey is still has a lot of players. Uh, and then we'd go into soccer, but we don't really have any more sports. Mm. Um, we're very good with like the rowing and things like that, but there are small little pockets, but we don't have a sport that kind of takes out, I don't know, I would say it would take out a lot of good athletes. Like you see some of those yeah. like, those hurlers and those guard players, and you're going, man, you would fit into the second row perfectly. You're a <laughs> monster. Like, yeah. And yeah, and I think that's a that's a bit of a struggle, I think, for for Ireland as well. It's just yeah, so many sports. There is, there is, and like um, with with Gaelic football, uh, it does take take a lot of percentage out, and it takes a lot of the season out because the Gaelic football season, the boys are starting preseason. Some of them maybe in January, and then they're. If you're doing well and you get the championship, you could be playing till September. So there's no real room for taking on another sport seriously. You can play a little bit yeah. of five aside and shit like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean five aside. I think I've seen more injuries in five aside. <laughs> anything I was like, oh, it's a it's a dangerous game. But uh, five aside yeah, is a fucking dangerous game, man. <laughs> I, I I remember playing it like whenever I I stopped playing like team sports for like a couple of years when I when I was younger and. I just went and played five aside, and I was in bits. Like I'd been going to the gym and I was lifting weights, but I hadn't like done any change direction stuff. 
And I was in bits. I was like, no, fuck that. A couple of weeks of it, that was enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think we, uh, one year at the gym, we started a tag team and uh, tag rugby. And I think the first week there was like four hamstring injuries. <laughs> so we were like, uh, no, we're, we're not doing this next year. We're losing members to, to hamstring injuries. It was, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's, it's quite fun. Tag, tag's an interesting one. I worked with a Irish tag rugby as part of like my work experience. And we were, I used to referee and do like some of the venue management and you wouldn't, I saw a lot more in, injuries than I expected to see at like, you know, a casual kind of bit of tag rugby. Yeah. And there's, there's no like, you know, it's not a contact sport. So you would, there's no real contact injuries, but yeah, everyone's, nobody warms up there. Everyone just turns up and just starts going into it. <laughs> Yeah, it's like your junior B in Gaelic football or hurling. Like you just show up, kick a ball around, and hop onto the pitch and start playing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but oh, it's funny. Like, it's. I think for a lot of people, they don't really understand. Like the the like if you're sitting at a desk job and you go and do something like tag rugby, and you try and like push yourself, especially if you've been an athlete in the past. If you don't warm up and you don't uh, look after your body and prepare for that, it's not gonna. It, the body's not gonna like it. No, no, and that's that's what I found is that, uh, yeah, like I still remembered how to play and how to push and, you know, you don't stop being competitive either. It, it creeps back. You start off the game and you're kind of running, jogging around and someone kind of gets past you and you're like, ah, oh, that's okay. And then, you know, 20 minutes to go and you're one all or one nil down and all of a sudden it's the, the bigger <laughs> lunge, the faster you're like, you, you start getting back into it and uh yeah, it's just you're not pre- you're not prepared for it, and um, and you sort of you forget that as well. You think you you sort of also forget that if you're still training in the gym, like I would come back from the off season like stronger and uh, sort of faster and more powerful mm. than I was, but I was completely deconditioned to the movements that I actually wanted to do, and then I would like I would always almost have injuries at the start of the season because as I got into training, I was kind of almost too quick too. I had too much sort of power and sort of harnessed it and transitioned properly. I sort of missed, that was a big phase of my training that I missed was that I would do all of the hard off season work and then go straight into preseason and needed to kind of blend that and cross that over. uh, That's a good, that's a good, that, that is something that, um, I think even myself in the past, whenever I started learning more about training and I was looking after my own training, I wouldn't have blended it into my sport. I wouldn't have tried and like, let's say mimic some of the movement patterns that might be, uh, might be done. Like I might've done like them real heavy, but then when it came to, let's say change direction and stuff like that, I didn't incorporate it. Um, I find, I find one thing that's interesting when it comes to like sport, like Gaelic football or most, uh, uh, field sports, um, when they're trying to improve like things like change direction or speed like that, they always tend to want to do it under fatigue. And yeah. that, like, I know you're, you're not a big fan of that. I've seen a couple of posts you've done on like skill development and fatigue before, but uh, give us your take on doing like change of direction stuff when you're absolutely bollocks. <laughs> um, like it, it kind of needs to be, kind of needs to be done. It needs to, you need to have the exposure to it, mm. um, but it's not, you're not training that um, that sort of skill. Like if someone's bad at changing direction, the first thing they need to do is learn how to change direction. So most people's footwork is terrible, but like they don't know how to approach a turn. So all they should be doing for a while is running up and doing the footwork to prepare the turn and then turning and coming out of it and just 
doing that at 70, 80% until they don't have to think about it. And then they can do it at 100% effort, completely fresh. And then the best thing to do would be to tire them out and then just make them practice the footwork again mm. and not worry about the power coming out. Because the power coming out will just happen. Like if you turn and you turn well and then you just start to accelerate in a match, that will just happen. You don't even have to think about it. Like you don't have to go, right, oh, I'm tired. Like I've got to sit here, turn and brace and now I've got to try and really try hard. You just see the fella running past and you're like, I've got to go. And then yeah. that's it. And if you've done all the training underneath, your feet just do the work and you just turn and you go. Um, and that's the, that was a hard thing for a lot of people, I think, to kind of do. Because uh, I, I was a, like the, I was the drag flicker for, uh, for Monkstown. And I taught myself how to flick. I didn't have any, I just watched videos, um, YouTube tutorials, um, followed the top guy in New Zealand at the time and just did what he did. And I used to go down to the pitch for like, two two and a half hours and my first 30 minutes would be i would uh i'd be on like i'd be in like a kneeling stance mm. and all i'd be doing is rolling the ball from my back knee to my front foot and then i'd have 50 balls and i'd do that like 50 times so i'm not even flicking doing anything or moving i'm just leaning on my right knee rolling over to my left and then pushing the ball in the goal i'd do that and then i'd come back and I would do my footwork. So all I would do is I would approach the ball. So I'd have like six steps that I'd take and I'd just do those six steps and I had them kind of taped out and I would just kind of like, it's like learning how to dance. Like Very methodical. Yeah, and I'd walk back, I'd do my six steps, I'd walk back, I'd do my six steps, I'd walk back, I'd do that until like I literally was just bored out of my mind. And then, <laughs> um, and then I would flick. I would come in and I would... I would do my footwork and I'd pick the ball up and do my next two steps and then get into position and then stop and then go back, do it again. So I did oh, countless hours of just absolutely boring, boring things. Like um, I make, uh, I just break it down into, into all the little pieces that I could and just do drills and drills upon drills for every little piece. Like, and I would focus on certain things. So I'm like, today I'm just going to focus on, releasing the ball and it was all at like low level, like 60 to 70% effort. Um, and then I might do 15 flicks at full effort. And that was, that was it. And then people like worry about fatigue and things like that. And I'm like, I never had to worry about being tired and mm. flicking because I just knew how to flick. Yeah. <laughs> no matter how tired I was, I just knew that if I just got into these positions, I might be a little bit slower, but no matter how much you train under fatigue, you're always going to be the worst than when you are when you're fresh. Yeah. So for me, it wasn't about trying to be as powerful and as good as I was when I was fresh. It was just trying to be as accurate as possible um, and just getting it right and at least making it look like I was make, having a good attempt at it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think uh, that's that whole thing of like training under fatigue. A lot of people uh, kind of just maybe approach it the different way. It's the trying learn the skill under fatigue before learning the skill or getting the skill better. That's yeah. And I, that's the thing. Like I didn't even have to learn how to flick under fatigue because I just, it was subconscious at that point I could. And it's the same, like when you're looking at CrossFit and, um, I got, because when I started coaching, the coach used to do the warmups, like actually physically 
we do the warm-ups. So I used to have a barbell and we were doing weightlifting like three times a week. I would do a snatch warm-up with the class and I would be like snatching, holding it, overhead squatting, doing the snatch balance while talking to everyone and like, and I'd do that for a couple of rounds and then I'd go around correcting people. But, and I'd do that like four times a day. <laughs> so, so accidentally, I was doing hours upon hours of barbell, just snatching a barbell, cleaning, jerking a barbell, warming up, um, and not even thinking about it. Didn't even realize that. And then you, you want to like lift under fatigue and like snatch under fatigue. It's like, I don't think about anything. I just pick the bar up and it just goes overhead. Yeah. So <laughs> the only thing that's hard is that, you know, it is hard to stabilize. Obviously, like there are difficulties under fatigue that you have to practice, but in general of the actual technique under fatigue, um, no, it's like, if you can do it, if you can do it fresh and you can do it without thinking, then under fatigue, it just, it happens a lot more naturally. Mm -hmm. And then as a coach, all you're doing is you're looking to see how the person is compensating. So you're seeing like, how, why is the movement breaking down? And then you try and, if you can piece that together and figure out that, like what's, what that little piece is that's breaking down first. If you strengthen that piece, they'll improve under fatigue. Mm. So instead of making them do it more under fatigue and probably doing it wrong because they're compensating, like if they can't do it under fatigue, they're just going to do the same pattern and just learn it. And now that's going to become their default pattern. So now you've got to not only fix an imbalance somewhere in their movement, you've then got to retrain their movement again. So if you can just break it down and just work on the piece that's breaking down first and strengthen it, mm. then it will come together under fatigue a lot more. And that was one thing whenever I was being coached, the Olympic lifts is probably the, the, the biggest pro probably challenge you had was to try and get them looking anyway, anyway sort of half decent. Because <laughs> I, had, I had learned I'd learned from like, kind of similar to you, I looked at YouTube videos or I looked at other people and I kind of tried to go from there and I obviously picked, I probably picked up a lot of bad habits along the way. Um, but uh, you broke down the pieces quite well and I, that was, that really solidified that in my head that like, you know, if you do break down the pieces, no matter what the skill is or, or what it is, if you break it down and you get better at the little, the little pieces, then whenever you have the sum together, it does really just become more automatic. So like if you threw me into a, like, let's say we're clean, you would have made, got me different, do, do different variations. And then let's say you might throw me into an EMOM where I kind of have to be a bit more automatic about it. I didn't even think about it. And it, it felt probably better than it would when I had more time to stop and think about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, if with movements, especially something like the Olympic lifts, they happen so fast, you can't think about them. Mm. So the only thing I feel is you kind of, you need to know where to start and know where you're going. Mm. So like in a snatch, you start in, you know, like a low kind of low hips, you know, chest up, all that sort of stuff. Like you get all that set. And then essentially if you have all that set, right then the rest of it should just follow along. Mm. And then the next point is you need to catch it in the bottom of the squat. So your body needs to know how to get into that bottom of the squat very quickly. Um, if your body doesn't know how to do that, thinking about it's going to slow it down. So the longer, the more you have to think about each step, the more you're just going to slow yourself down and delay it. It sort of just has to happen. So that's why I like the drills. It's like if you lose the bar at a certain point, we would do drills to fix that point of the snatch without snatching. Um, and then ideally 
that just starts to become a habit. So that when you get to that point, uh, the snatches, the snatch works. Um, and you don't have to think about it. So, yeah, and I guess that's that's the sort of thing I you know start with. You have to be able to squat. If you can't squat, you're not going to be able to squat clean or squat snatch. It's just, yeah, I mean, doesn't matter how how many times you try, uh, it just won't work. And if you if you're picking the bar up wrong off the floor and the bar is drifting away from you. Mm. then you're always going to miss the, you're probably always going to miss it forward so get better at picking the bar up off the ground and then because someone might say oh you know you're bringing your hips too far forward so we need to do all this hip work and they're focusing on all this stuff up there because that's where the problem looks like it's happening because mm. that's where the that's where the mess and the compensation is happening but then you watch them pick the bar up off the floor and you're like oh well, if you just move to here now pick it up and you they make a change there all of a sudden everything else fixes itself and yeah. you know and that that ties into i guess just movement overall uh you know yeah everybody uh, one example I, I like as soon as you said that i was like one thing that popped in my head was like a knee whereas like you know a lot of knee uh, people get knee pain automatically assume that there's right the the problem is the knee and whereas it might be the ankle it might be the hip you, like it could, it could be a combination of that you know it's people always try and look at the site of where it happens and that's, that's where we need to focus on or like lower back pain. That's, that's where we need to work on. Yeah. It's a, uh, I guess it was, it was uh, you know, this, this might sound a little bit, I guess almost like a contradiction to what I said about before about like about looking for the compensation and trying to strengthen it. Um, I guess what I, I, I sort of knew this in my mind a little bit, but often the compensation pattern is actually your, is sometimes your strongest link because that's what's taking over to try and make up for a weakness. Mm. So when you're looking for a compensation, you're looking for, okay, well like the knee is compensating, the quads are compensating, but what is failing and forcing the quads to do more work? Mm. Like something's giving up first. So that's, you know, that ties into the whole, Oh, it's the knee, but it's not the knee. It's like when people's lungs blow up and like, they're like, Oh, I can't breathe. Like I need to do more aerobic work. It's like, well, Maybe not like you're aerobic. You're sort of like your lungs are trying to compensate for something else. So they're working harder. And that's the part that seems that you feel like fails because it's working so hard. And whatever they're working for is having a nap and you don't even notice that it's, <laughs> that it's doing anything. So yeah, like compensation patterns and things are really tricky to, to look for. And it's um, you kind of, it's why it's good to have a good, assessment or a battery of tests so that you can put someone into a different scenario and be like, Oh, well, like I've had people squatting and it looks like they have no ankle range. And then you actually go test their ankle range and they've got miles of ankle range, but they haven't learned how to use it. Mm. So you could sit there and accidentally start doing all this, like, you know, maybe hip work or ankle work. It just turns out they're just, uh, they're just squatting wrong. You just need to <laughs> tell them like, uh, let your knees drift forward, like push your knees forward as you squat. And then all of a sudden they squat fine. You're going, oh, this isn't a mobility problem. This is just, this is motor control. Yeah. Cause it might even be a case where like somebody might have said something years ago, like, you know, the whole, don't put your knees over your toes and that always stuck in their head. And like, they yeah. just never clicked. Nobody's ever said it to them. Nobody's mentioned it. So they just keep repeating it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've had that so many times. And uh, yeah, I've had it. You know, you just turn around and you say something so similar to something like, why don't just sit down and stand up? And they just change completely. You go, there you go, you're fixed. <laughs> the exact same thing happened with my client. Um, 
I think I might have mentioned it before. Uh, my client uh, Sean, uh, he's he's probably my longest client. He uh, we are trying to teach him to squat, right? And he's uh, he's Chinese, so his 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 English wasn't as perfect. I had to slow down my speaking quite a lot because I speak very <laughs> yeah. fast, as you can probably tell. Um, but uh, trying to get him to squat for ages, and then all of a sudden, he just sat down into the bottom of a squat perfectly, and I was just looking at him like. I've been trying to teach you to squat for the last two weeks. I should have just been telling you to sit down uh, and you would, you would have got it. But it was because I was kind of like, you know, maybe sit your hips back and blah, 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 whatever I would have said to him at the time. Um, but now I would do something as similar as like, just, just sit down. The simple yeah. is all, often the best. Well, it just needs a person, needs a person move. Like it's, it's like with the Olympic lifts now. Um, I used to overcoach them so badly when I was teaching beginners. I'd be like, get into this position, this position, you know, do this, do that. And I'm like, oh, just uh, like, you know, just jump and jump and land. <laughs> like, what do I do with the bar? I'm like, I oh, just, you know, make it look like this. Just jump and land and do that. They do that. I'm like, keep doing that. And then they start to develop like a, then you can sort of start to see, and then you, you make little corrections. It's like, just start here and now, now jump and land. Um, and it was actually kind of funny, the amount of people I found that can't jump. I think I was I was probably probably one of them to be honest. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not saying can't jump high. It's like you say jump and they kind of just hop and you're going, Okay, you haven't done like you haven't done jumping, like you haven't done a sport or activity that really requires like hip extension and sprinting. Mm. So it's like let's try sprint and let's try just jump. And then you, you, you improve those like basic qualities and then you go to something like Olympic lifting or squatting and all of a sudden they, they just start looking more athletic um, because you know those natural like right the sprinting and jumping is is you know that's what we sort of more made to do you know it's a bit more natural for us mm. uh, them simple and, them simple things are often like so neglected but like they should be done like you know you're jumping you're you're throwing your uh your sprinting mechanics um people often don't do that after they quit a sport like that that was that was the same for me jumping i never really i i probably avoided it after i stopped playing gaelic football yeah yeah <laughs> and uh, like they're saying throwing is a big one if more people threw and especially like just in there could i know it's hard in a gym you can't sit there and throw things around the gym but <laughs> if there's more space like the amount of i started warming up just throwing a tennis ball against the wall um both arms just would sit there for a you know, five minutes just throwing the ball against the wall, just catching it, throwing it. Not only does it warm up your coordination because you've got, you, you know, you're throwing from left hand to catching your right, throwing back right to left. Mm. Um, trying to learn how to throw my left arm was challenging because I've never done it really. Um, but trying to mimic the, because the range on my shoulders is phenomenal compared to my right to my left. Um, you probably can't really, really see it, but like my right arm, I can like wind it back. Yeah. And then my, my left arm. <laughs> a little bit more limited, just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and this is purely, and then you watch me throw. And of course I just, that's how I wind up and throw. Mm. As I started just throwing on my left arm, that's all I did. No exercises, no bandwidth, no massage, nothing. I just started throwing. My external rotation just started to match closer to my right. And it was the like fastest increase in range in my shoulder that I've ever seen. All I did was throw a tennis ball against the wall for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
well, I have to say, like, well, one, one place I saw that uh, very early on was whenever I started watching the Rocky films when I was a young fella. Rocky always used to be throwing at it and going around. I was like, I always thought there was something to it. They didn't just throw that in for no reason. But okay. there's a lot to be said, but, like, like I, I've been going out and playing basketball uh, with a couple of mates recently and, like, doing stuff like that where you're forced to kind of use your coordination more and different movement patterns and all. It all fucking helps. It all, it all really it does. It does. It's, it's, it's body awareness. Like, you see, I mean, like myself, I guess, I was always one of the fastest to learn any movement in CrossFit when it was starting. It was like, new movement came in, I'd have it within 10 minutes. Right? If I could physically, if I was physically strong enough to do it, like, no problem, I'd do it. Um, and, but then I could, I could always only do like one of them. Um, you know, and then the actual good athletes would take maybe a little bit longer and then they're doing 10 of them. It's like, okay, <laughs> I'm done now. But my exposure to sport, like when I grew up, I played, played hockey or rugby growing up, depending on which season or whichever coach came and talked to me first. I played whichever one. I uh, played cricket. Then I was, in a, I was in a really small school, but we did so much. Um, like I was so lucky. Like we did, say, six weeks of jump rope for heart. So for six weeks, we would learn how to skip. Like double, du- like double Dutch skipping like with two big ropes, like lots of little like skills with the single ropes. And we'd spend like six weeks learning and then we'd do like a demonstration and we'd try and raise money for the Heart Foundation. Uh, we would do athletics, like all the way through until I was 18, we'd do athletics. And you'd go learn every single, like you'd do long jump, high jump, throwing, uh, sprints, do the long distance stuff, cross country, like we'd have all of that and you had to basically participate. Mm. Um, so I'd do all that for a while and then we'd do swimming sports. So we'd go down to the swimming pool and we'd learn how to swim, we'd learn how to treat water. So we had to do pass like water safety. Um, and then every single day we were playing, you know, touch rugby or something on the on the courts or, you know, we're playing sport or playing cricket, um, doing any, anything like that. And then when I transitioned into college, um, or I don't know if that's what you guys... When I was like, you know, 13 to 18, whatever you guys call it. Um, secondary school. Yeah, secondary yeah. school, I guess, yeah. Um, our PE would, every term would play a different sport and you had to pass that sport to like, so we'd do, say, volleyball. You had to and pass you had to, it. Yeah, you had, to, you had to sit there and the test was like, you had to do like 10 serves and get, you know, four of them in to get like a minor pass. And then you had to do like, you had to dig, set and spike to to sort of show that you understood the game and what to do. And then we'd do a game, we'd do athletics and we'd do indoor hockey, we'd do netball, we'd do whatever. So that's fucking class. Yeah. Is, my is, school. is most schools like that? Or was that just your school was, was, was quite good in that sense? I think, I think in general terms, most schools do, like they promote a lot of like sport is pretty well promoted and PE is compulsory up until at least the, the, for the first three years, I think of like secondary school i think PE is compulsory um, for the most part and then it becomes like an elective um subject and which of course you, know, you elected to do yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> but you know i was yeah small school so you know we wanted to form a tennis team and they had like six people and they needed eight so i mean and my mate just went and started playing tennis just so that there was a team there so for like six weeks we played in a tennis competition never played before but just started playing <laughs> tennis and you know we we would do the same with any sport. So um, I played pretty, and then you know rugby was on fr- on Saturday mornings, and hockey was on Friday nights. So Fuck. 
we'd play hockey on Friday night and then go play second 15 rugby on Saturday morning. Uh, you'd do that all like winter and then summer would come around, you'd be playing you know, cricket or golf or, or whatever. So I just played so many sports and all my mates were, my good mates were into basketball. So lunchtime used to go into go and play basketball with them at lunchtime, and then uh, go play my normal, go play my sports mm. like after school and that. And that just really shows is like whenever I go somewhere, I can just learn it. Mm. And everyone's like, "Oh, you're just a natural." I'm like, "Well, I'm probably, but I am because if you look back to photos of when I'm when I can walk, I've got something in my hands, a stick or a ball." Mm. since I could walk. My brother was 10 years older than me, you see, so I think I was always kind of you know, chasing him along a little bit. Um, but there's pictures of him when he's playing for like a representative side. I'm the mascot. <laughs> like I've got my own little like hockey stick and I'm running around, like chasing them around the place. So, Unreal. yeah, I mean, you can say it's sort of natural, but it's that's how I was just raised. So, mm. uh, Was it the yeah. environment? Like, uh, that's the one like... I- was it the environment? Like, was it the fact that you did all these sports or was it yourself? Like people, I would say, obviously it's a combination, but you know, you, you, you had like the mental sports you're after naming there is, is mad. Like, I don't know anybody else who's, who's even tried that many different sports, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. uh, it, it, it's a, it's a big thing. And I know as a coach, I kind of notice when you do kind of notice the difference with people who have played sports and maybe who, who haven't. Um, and it's not like people who haven't played sport that's it, there's something bad maybe they've spent more time doing something else in their life but uh as, as regard to like skill acquisition massive difference uh, between people who've done sport before yeah there is i mean it's and and that's where i think people run into trouble as coaches because if they're athletes in the past and they haven't dealt with people who haven't been athletes it's mm. really hard to understand i just like when i started coaching i could not understand how some people couldn't get it I was just like, what, what are you doing? It's so simple. Just do this. And they, they don't have that awareness. Like they just don't have that, that built in. And, um, and that was my biggest struggle when I, when I started. And then over, the, over time, people used to come up to me and be like, oh, you're so patient with people. Like you really try with them. Like, you know, you, you give them this drill and that's not working and you're giving them that drill. I'm like, I'm not patient at all. I'm really impatient. It's like I, I can see it's not working. So I give them something else. And I can see that's not working. So I give them something else. I was like, it's not, it's not necessarily patience. It's like, it's just, I can just see that I get impatient because it's not working. So I'm like, there's, there's going to be something better here. Something's going to, the penny's going to drop some way. Mm. Let's figure this out. And I think, I can't remember who, who was telling me or where I heard this. Um, it was one of the, like, you know, it was a pretty well-known coach who was talking about interning, I think. And, he kind of sighed and was like, ah, oh, this athlete again. I've told this guy like a hundred times and he just can't get it. He's so stupid. And like the head coach turned around and was like, you've told him a hundred times he doesn't get it. He's like, yeah. He goes, well, you're the fucking stupid one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and that really, that really stuck with me. I was like, oh, that's so true. If you keep telling someone to do something and it's not working, you need to change what you're telling them. Yeah, or the way you're, or the way the way everybody learns things differently. So you yeah. d- change the way you word it, or change the like whether you do using visual cues, audio cues, audible cues, whatever it is. Yeah, like some people love. Some people will ask you to do the movement. Like, can you just do it for me? Mm. And they, you can see them, and they're like, that's how they learn. And then others you talk to, and then others you have to 
tactile, you know, you actually have to put your hands, you have to like push them around and they're like, Oh, there it is. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, you, you've got to learn that. It's, um, yeah, I, I haven't really figured out, you know, the perfect way to, to decide how someone learns, but mm. I definitely know that you need to have a lot of tricks up your sleeve to, to sort of get it all to work. Absolutely. You don't want to be a one track pony. Definitely no. not. Uh, one one thing that I I thought was uh, was quite interesting. Uh, just kind of doing my research, dig, digging in, digging into uh, the past was uh, you, you, this uh, idea of like kind of false improvements, uh, improvement. And I I never really I the concept I I kind of thought of it before, but I n- never like put a label on it like false improvement. Um, where did that? When did you first start seeing that? Or was that as an athlete? Did you see that? creeping up or was that more so as a coach um i think that was more so as a as a coach um you would just see i guess you, you would see people like so much just wouldn't transfer mm. you know like you're seeing all these like sort of great improvements and things and then all of a sudden they don't really uh like transition over to to what you what you want to and it was kind of i guess trying to trying to understand that and being like, you know, uh, you know, what's, what's sort of going on and, um, yeah, why, why is that sort of, sort of happening? And I think I was trying to, trying to think exactly what it is that I also wrote about. It's probably been a little while. <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. Um, but what, uh, I'm, I find... I'm to think, was there, was there like a, did I, did I quote something for that or? I'm not sure if you quoted it. I, I did my research a little while back, so I'm only going off my own notes. Um, but <laughs> but uh, I, I found like that false improvement when it comes to like hit training. I've definitely experienced that before, uh, personally with myself. Like um, where at times I thought I was really fit because I was doing loads of hit uh, and all this. But whenever I came to like maybe I think it was when I was doing jujitsu, and then whenever I came to like being able to last on the mat. I was screwed like eventually and then the fatigue levels started creeping on. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a big thing. And you'd see it when, like, I think I noticed it a lot in CrossFit because I'd see all these people like, you know, lifting really big weights or like putting up massive numbers on machines and things like that. And then they just don't, then they get into a workout and they just, they just can't do the workout. And <laughs> you're going, well, everything, like all of your stuff that you're putting up and everything that you're seeing, you should be like, you should be an animal. Like there should be absolutely no, no trouble here. Um, yeah, I think that was like, that was kind of one of the, one of the things that just came through with, ex- with experience. It's like, it was also, I, I know that like people will do a test with people mm. and then they'll train them to improve that test. And then it makes it like, oh, look at all this progress I made. Like I took like four minutes off my time. And it's like, yeah, cool. Uh, but you're still not good at your sport. So yeah, yeah. It's like I improved my I improved my back squat by ten kilos. But like, uh, how's that gonna make you be a better rugby player? Like, well, if you're yeah. not translating across, like obviously those things are important. Like in having strength levels and and your speed and all that. But it has to be able to transfer into what you're doing it for. Yeah, exactly. And. Um, it also becomes an issue when you're just trying to train like general people and the general public for, for things. It's like they get fixated on, you know, improving their back squat. It's like well, improving your back squat's not going to necessarily improve your health unless you're so bad that, you know, 
you actually do need to just even learn how to squat because you can't sit down on anything. If you're into that state, then yeah, like improving your back squat's really going to improve your quality of life. Because I mean, there are actually some studies out there. I couldn't quote them, but I've heard them um, that leg strength is a slight indicator of the quality of life later in life. There you um, go. So, so do yeah. look after those legs. Yeah, get them strong. Really important. Exactly. I mean, you have to. The number one thing that we all have to do for like the rest of our lives is at some stage, like sit down and stand up. And if you become too weak to do that, now you can't even look after yourself at all. You can't walk up the stairs. You can't walk down the stairs. You can't go to the shops. You can't get out of your car. I mean, that's, that's a scary thought when you think about that. And yeah, so I mean, but that's that's what people get get stuck on. They get stuck on improving all these metrics, and there's no improvement to health. There's no improvement to their lifestyle. Like it's, but they think keep thinking that, you know, the amount of people that came and told me that they want to do, you know, I think I posted about this once as well. Oh, I really want to get pull-ups. Like, I really want to do pull-ups. So you start training them and they, they getting really close to the pull-up and then they start kind of complaining. You're going, what's wrong? I don't, I haven't lost any weight. Like, you, didn't tell me, <laughs> you didn't tell me you wanted to lose weight. You told me you wanted to pull up. I could make, you know, losing weight will help, but it's not, I can make you get a pull-up at almost any weight. No. Yeah. But what they saw is they saw like fit people doing pull-ups. So they thought that getting, and you know, that's, um, that's a, that's a bit of a trap people fall into. And I guess that can also fall into like false and like, you know, those sort of false improvements because you think that getting better at your squat is making you better or getting better at X is getting you closer to your goal. But um, yeah, you just got to make sure that you really understand the goal and what's, the outcome of, of those movements and things exactly the intent the intent yeah. um i'm gonna we're gonna branch off into the last last kind of series uh of kind of questions and i'm gonna start off i'm gonna throw out like three three different kind of, i don't know what, what they are phrases or things um i don't know where i come up with this idea i came up with this fucking random idea and i just go with it so hash i want you to just respond in any way you, you seem fit basically uh hashtag accept the compliment acknowledge the disappointment Oh, it's all right. <laughs> what do you want? So, <laughs> so just talk, talk about that. Like, talk okay, about talk about it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was it was always something that, that annoyed me, I guess, as an athlete. Um, you know, people would uh, people would come up and sort of going, going both ways. I'd be, you know, I'd lose a final or something, lose a match. And people were like, oh, well, you played well. I don't care. Like, I'd rather play shit and win. Like I'd be upset that I played poorly, but you know, like or you'd be disappointed in doing something. And you know, say you're going for a five k and you only got twenty minutes, but you are, or you got twenty minutes and ten seconds, and you're really hoping for a sub twenty. Someone's like, oh well, I can't even run five k. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> it's your it's your problem. Like go train. You're not training. You're not doing anything. You didn't put in all this work for this and, and miss your goal. Um, and it, it really annoyed, like it was saying that I think I saw a lot in CrossFit, the good athletes trying to be like, oh, oh yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed with that, you know? And someone's like, oh, well, at least you can do that movement. Mm. And, and you know, it's, it's almost like that, that whole gaslighting thing that, you know. Yeah, you're minimizing um, that. Yeah, and then the opposite way is when someone's genuinely coming up being like, oh man, like, you know, like good work, and someone's like, "Oh, it's fucking shit!" Like, fuck off! Like, right? And they go into that. It's like someone's actually genuinely thinking that you did well, mm -hmm. and 
you know, you should just accept that compliment. Oh, thanks. Like, yeah, I guess it was like, you know, um, to them it is impressive and to them, like you did work hard and, um, and just in general things are like, oh, that looked really nice and people try to downplay it too much um, or just, they don't just turn around and say, oh, thank you. Like, yeah. That's, when you give someone a compliment, generally all you want is just like, oh, cool, thanks, man. Mm. You don't, don't need anything much else and um, yeah, so that's, so. <laughs> uh, that's I find that that one really stuck uh, stuck with me because I know whenever I was younger and I we I played in a rugby team that like same lads from like under tens all the way up to eighteens and uh, we got the two finals like two or three years in a row and we lost all of them and I remember the first time I got so thick I fucking threw my medal away <laughs> so I was that I was that fucking Egypt uh, and I'm sure people obviously saying well done and all like that and I'm sure my response was probably. Uh, don't give a fuck or something like that or, uh, or something along those lines. And then probably, I think it was a similar sort of thing after that. But since then I've tried to change the attitude, like just because things aren't going bad for you, you don't want to bounce that off onto somebody else. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it, it's tough, but yeah, sometimes like, yeah, you don't want to like when someone's being genuine and they're really saying, you know, like, well done, like mm. hard luck, like good try sort of thing. It's like, you know, you got to just, you should you want to be in a space to be able to accept that and be like, oh, you know, thanks for the support, thanks for the encouragement. But mm. it is annoying when someone's trying to tell you that you should be grateful for even getting the chance to do it. And you're going, oh, like, I worked for this. Like, yeah, that's the line. Once that, yeah. that happens, then I'm like, nah, fuck you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, man. And uh, yeah, so that's what, that's what that one was sort of about. And I just, I saw it so much with, with the CrossFit athletes and um, always kind of, I think people trying to be like genuine and sincere, but like, I just know myself that that's a really, it's a, it's a hard thing when someone tries to, you make, it makes you feel like you should be grateful just that you can do anything and you're not allowed to be disappointed. Mm. Um, and you're like, fuck's sake, I should be grateful. And then you start like having this inner dialogue with yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, no, like be disappointed. Just don't be a mopey prick either though. Like don't <laughs> get over it, but yeah. allow yourself to feel that and people should allow you to, to feel that disappointment as well. Agreed, agreed. Um, hashtag Rick and Morty. I, I have <laughs> to say, one of my favorite pictures, I remember when I popped up, uh, you and uh, uh, Alexis, uh, I think it was, with the Rick and Morty t-shirt. I said, yes, he's a fucking Rick and Morty fella. <laughs> <laughs> I love Rick and Morty. I thought that was hilarious. I like, is that, the, that was at the, so for those who haven't seen that photo, that was at the CrossFit Games. And mm. everyone's walking around with their brands on, you know, like, whatever gym they're involved in, whatever training program that they're the coach of or the, you know, that they own. And yeah, I was strolling around like in my Rick and Morty shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. I was like, I just like this. I like Rick and Morty. Like, uh, it's, a, it's a good shirt. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, that's, that's probably a downfall of mine. Is, you know, I, I don't even take that opportunity to like promote myself. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I'm a big, big fan of like, uh, Big fan of those kind of like those adults from the cartoons and things like that, especially Rick and Morty. Love those. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. I've started, uh, I think I'm third time around uh, watching it now again because uh, I didn't see the new, the new season wasn't on Netflix. So I'm only trying to, and I forgot fucking oh, okay. ha half of what happened. So I have to go back to the start now and go all the way through. Yeah, you definitely do because I mean, that show is so intertwined. It's, it's ridiculous trying to figure that out because you go through and there's things that happened in season one that are popping up in the last season and you're going how are you supposed to remember this like, this is mad 
I just love them. I love being able to switch off like that. Yeah. Like just being able to go into a space where it is unrealistic. Like, yeah, it is bullshit. It's a cartoon, but mm. like, that's what I like. I like just getting away for a little while and it entertains me and you know, doesn't, doesn't do anything else. But you know, you can, I think you can get hooked on trying to always trying to better yourself with, you know, with podcasts and with like audio, like audio books and all this all other stuff. And you don't actually take any time just to do something you actually enjoy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's part of the reason why in, in this podcast, there always has to be chatting about uh, either TV shows and shit like that. Like that little bit of escapism can be important and you can find some influence some, some way, but even if it's only like a, a, a way of thinking about something, that you can apply yeah. it to this. Like, obviously, you're not going to apply too much of Rick and Morty to fucking real life, but like yeah. other things. Maybe. I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's like uh, I know we were, before we sort of got started, we we're talking about like uh, the purchase of the PlayStation. Yeah. And uh, you know, like uh, you know, I thought that was going to be really bad, and I was going to waste all my time playing PlayStation. And then what I found is I actually started being like, no, I have to finish my work, then I can play PlayStation. And I actually started to get more productive because I started, you know making sure instead of messing around and kind of like, oh, I'll just do this whenever I, it's like, oh, well, if I don't finish this by this time, then I don't have any time to, to play, to like switch off and have to have a bit of fun. And, um, you know, like I also, if I'm feeling a bit, almost like if I'm feeling stuck for, for training or if I'm feeling a little demotivated, I just go like watch Dragon Ball Z or something. <laughs> so it's like, cause they're all just like, they're all just jacked and they're all just like big macho guys and like you just get amped up. You're just, That's just a like, fucking ah. good show, man. That is a good show. I might have to do that. I, I used to love Dragon Ball Z, but I haven't watched it in years. So maybe I have to get back on it. Yeah, I just started, I got into that again and just like, you know, it was just, you get caught up in like the, in a little bit of the story, but just like the, you know, again, uh, you know, you start imagining being like, you know, that strong and being able to like, all that sort of stuff and it would uh it would just give me a little sometimes just give me a little boost as well <laughs> yeah fucking go super saiyan i i yeah. haven't i there's so many seasons and shit like that i'm probably gonna this that'll be a rabbit hole i'll end up going down maybe not right now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um and the last kind of the last few questions then we're going to move on to so what's your favorite film or series i'll let you pick one of each or or you can go oh. if you can't pick a top one, which I could definitely not. So I'll understand if you pick a few. Yeah, um, I was trying to think. Like uh, I guess almost in two senses, like uh, Resident Evil would have to be. Ooh. Like I love I those games tortured my childhood. <laughs> 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 like I should Damn. not have been playing. I should not have been playing those games. Uh, but then the movies came out, and I don't even really care if like. They're not. They're probably, they probably they wouldn't be like all time, like mm. um, like classic like movies. I'd be like, oh, you have to see this. But there's just so much surrounding that. It's just like I just love Resident Evil. Mm. Um, so in terms of like even like PlayStation games and things like that um, and movies, that's uh, a it's a big one. And then uh, probably actually like Dragon Ball Z would be a, be a big one. I used to videotape those um, come home from school because they it would start like I would get home like 10 minutes after it would finish. So I'd videotape them. (laughs) Unreal. (laughs) I have to to record them and then like, you know, rewind it and watch it through. And then, 
yeah, so that'll be, I mean, just straight off the top of my head, so I'm not thinking too much, but... Um, that's that's good. That's uh, uh, The Resident Evil one is strange for me, because I, I used to play the games, but I would never get far because I'd shit myself and stop playing um, uh, whenever I was younger. And then it was just, as soon as the movies came out, I was like, oh, yeah, let's fucking watch this movie. And then I got hooked, and similar sort of thing, it's not the best quality movie, but I would I would say you fucking have to watch Resident Evil. It's not that, it's not that the story is that great. It's just fucking, I don't know, I just fucking love... I love zombie films in general, but Resident Evil is up there. Yeah, it definitely is. Man. Like, yeah, I really enjoy that. Uh, another series, actually, that I'd say everyone has, this is one I'd say people have to watch. Like, I'm a bit of an anime fan, so, like, I do watch the Japanese stuff a bit. But One Punch Man. I fucking watched an episode of it. That's actually very good. It's, I love the humor in that show. Like, it, <laughs> it is so dry and just so, like, he is just, ah, oh, I just, just the ridiculousness of it, like, you know, even when you hear his training routine, um, and it's just like a hundred push-ups, a hundred sit-ups, a hundred squats, and a ten k run, and he's the strongest <laughs> man in the world. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just oh, that, that show just like that just cracks me up. Like how uh, the two seasons of that are brilliant. I think. Is that on Netflix or anything like that? Season one's on Netflix. Um, right. I don't think season two has made it to Netflix yet, but it should do soon. But yeah, season one's. It's a little bit slow, but just, yeah, just keep watching it. <laughs> you, get it you get addicted to it. Oh, you're giving me plenty to go off today. Uh, <laughs> well, then on, on music side of things, I don't know if you're big into music, but would you have a favorite album? And if not, like an artist or something? Mm. Um, well, like I would probably, I mean, it kind of also depends on, on the mood, but um, I was always a bit mixed on, on my music, but... I think the first two albums I brought, this will show you the diversity of my music. The first two CDs that I brought was Dr. Dre 2001 and, oh, yes. Raging, and Raging Against the Machine Battle of Los oh, Angeles. Oh, yes. Fucking great choices, man. <laughs> so they, were the, they were the first two CDs that I've owned. And that's like, you know, I was big into like growing up, I would have listened to like Marilyn Manson, Tool, um, been into that, Rob Zombie, like um, Metallica. Like my mum was a bit of like a, she enjoyed like a bit, she was a bit of a metalhead, I guess. So she enjoyed that, that music and stuff. And, um, and then, but of course, you know, like my friends were a bit more into the sort of rap scene. So I got a little bit into that. Uh, but at the moment, um, I've, I guess I listened to like a lot of J. Cole, um, a lot of the sort of like his sort of artists on the Dreamville kind of, kind of uh, side of things. But yeah, that's, that sort of style is like, I love sort of the, the lyrics of like good rappers like when mm. you actually listen when you actually listen to how the their, fuck did we have not have this, any of these conversations whenever uh, you were coaching me man i fucking oh, the lyrics we of music about, <laughs> we we're talking about coaching man we had to stick to the had to stick to the topic <laughs> i know but uh lucky you didn't mention it because it would have went down a rabbit hole <laughs> oh i know like and that's why like i love i love listening to eminem i know like i wouldn't blast it from the stereo because most of it you can't, it's not that type of music, no. but they actually listen to his wordplay and just his intelligence is unbelievable. I and mean, you can't keep up with it. It's no. like, I, I've watched, I've watched a few of them and someone's put the lyrics up and there's a couple of videos where they've also put like the describing the metaphors that he's going on like the side and you're just watching it. You're going, Oh, okay. Oh, what? Wait. Oh man, like, I don't know. This, this is incredible. Like, 30 minute video for a four minute song. <laughs> I know. And it's just an amazing. And then even listening, like some of the good guys, like that's why I just like, 
know, like I really like J. Cole and what he does. Um, obviously, then like Kendrick and Lil Wayne, mm. they're also big up there as well. JID is another one. Um, I like JID, he's good. Yeah, good, good picks, man. You're probably up there with the, 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 well, it's a bias. It's obviously, it's most similar to my tastes, but the best music, in my opinion. <laughs> So Very far, good. Good, good to hear that. <laughs> uh, and then the last one. No, no one's no one said that in the gym before. <laughs> no, yeah. See, I I I've gotten serious thick with my music over the years. Like even back home, um, not as many of my friends would have listened to rap, and I would have been big into rap, and I would have been big into metal, and that would have been like I would have been ridiculed for it. Um, but luckily, luckily, as as I've got as people have gotten older, they're more open to that type of music, uh, different types of music. Exactly. Except when it's in the gym. Sometimes when you blast metal oh. or rap, it's not the best thing. Yeah, no, I understand. I'm like, look, guys, I, I, I get it. I was like, you need a certain buzz, especially in like for workouts and things. Like I've mainly coached in the CrossFit gyms, and you need a certain energy. Mm. Um, and some songs are great, but they're terrible gym songs. So it's like, yeah, you got to have it. You got to have a gym playlist, and you, you know, you got to get used to that. Play to the crowd. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm big on that. Oh, uh, gym playlist. That's I probably spend too much time on. <laughs> but uh, the last one then is would be the your well maybe not your favorite book or your favorite book or maybe your most influential book. Oh, that's uh, to be honest, it's probably one I don't know if anyone's heard of. Um, this one's for guys mainly. Um, girls might I don't know if they get anything out of it, but it's called Backbone. Um, it's essentially it's kind of like it's how to be how to be a man but like it's how to like express yourself as a as a man because it's it's gone kind of lost like it is i mean i don't want to i don't want to get into it or say you know like oh you know feel sorry for us it's really hard to be a man but um it is, it is difficult like there's a lot of people growing up you know without fathers and you know father figures are often distant and they don't get that um that side of things it just and it's it's more about you know, just yeah, just being able to express yourself and know like where you, where you stand and things like that. It's um, it's a really good book. It's it's got some things like it's a self. I guess it's like a self help like guidance type book. Mm. Um, I actually got my coach. He works very closely with the author. Like he does actually like camps and things based on Unreal. on that sort of kind of things. And it's um, it's it's about how to it's 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 all things. It's like it's how to it's like how to love and how to show emotion and. Mm. how to get involved which is not shown as being very manly you know like no nope. you know, i mean it's supposed to be like rocks and they're like no that's the complete opposite men should be really like loving and like they should be able to experience all of this and that's gotten lost and now guys are like you know they're they're lost they don't know how to how to find this sort of way so mm. backbones are really good it gets you to look at your behaviors and and how to sort of improve yourself and it's a it's one directed at the guys and I'd say it's a seriously underrated um, or unknown uh, sort of book. Mm. That that is like that's a very common thing for lads that don't know how to express their emotions. You know, the only way then they, they might know how to do it is aggressively. You know that yeah. that that is that can be an issue. And yeah. obviously, when you're younger, then when the hormones are flying, you don't know what the fuck's going on, and that that's even more apparent. Exactly, and you know, you know yourself. I mean. If a lad starts crying, he's soft as hell, you know, like yeah. no one cries. Like you're not allowed to cry, bro. Like don't do that. And, um, th things like that. It's, it, it, so much got taken away, I think. And just the way you learn to sort of grow up, you have to be like real hard and 
the only way you can be a man is to be like you know strong and fight people and um, you can be strong yeah. and still show fucking emotions they're not yeah. they're not opposite things no no not at all and hmm. um so that's that's one book that uh it's probably the, one of the only books i've i've kind of read read a couple of times and, and go back to and like to sort of go over and uh most other sort of most other books i read they're like interesting but yeah some of them are a bit of a you know diamond dozen type books you know you can in one ear then at the other ear yeah yeah so this <laughs> is one this is one that actually kind of hits home uh a bit because yeah like i know exactly how a lot of that is uh is hard to do like uh, and you, you see it a lot in other guys as well so yeah that's the recommendation Fast man, I'll definitely be bumping that up near to the top of the, the ever growing list of books. But yeah. uh no, I, I that definitely sounds like a, a good one. I'll I'll be hurrying up this I'm reading Stephen Hawkins' book, uh, one of Stephen Hawkins' books at the moment, so I'll rush through that to get to it. Well, I don't know if you can rush through a Stephen Hawkins book. No, that actually that, as soon as I said that, I was like, No, I probably never read a book as slow as I have this one because I have to try and understand each little concept before moving yeah. on. Try and read Behave by Sapolsky. Oh, oh man. Well. That's on the list got, as well. I might leave it I, at the bottom. I got that as an audio book because it's it, and it was twenty eight hours. Twenty eight hours? Yeah, twenty eight hours is an audio book, man. <laughs> That's all. The Gulag Archipelago was one that I went through on the audio book, and it was in the mid twenty hours, and that was hard and like very morbid. So I understand the pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brilliant, man. Uh, the last part then uh, would be just for you to where can people find you and what services. Are you offering it to people currently? Um, mainly find me at uh, on Instagram at Adroitfit. Um, that would be my main handle. You can also find me um, on my personal one. I don't post as much anymore. Um, uh, Andy Ewe, A-D-Y-E-W-I would be that one. But uh, yeah, I sort of uh, separate them out a little bit. I try to keep the business one a bit more businessy. My personal one is still training and things like that, but it's mm. just more about me. But uh yeah, find me there. Uh, I'm just getting into, as I sort of touched on briefly earlier, um, working with people to blend from sort of movement issues or rehab into full loaded training again. And but obviously with the idea of not getting re-injured. So it's like if you're if you had to rehab a muscle or take a break from an injury, um, how to kind of not only fix that injury but then integrate it back into your training so i've done like a sports i've done neuromuscular therapy course which got delayed due to covid but coming and finishing that so i can be a bit more hands-on and mm. i can do the massage and the testing and things like that and um so i can start with that but i can also kind of take over from a physio so once a physio maybe diagnosed you and got you to a point and you're ready to get back into training that's where I've, i see there's the biggest gap and because i feel that i've got good experience from being an athlete and coming back from injury to getting back to high level and also taking people from injury back to high level. Um, and now that I can do the hands-on work myself, I can take on a bit more of that load, but I can kind of, yeah, work with people and program for them and uh, get them back to, to a good point. So that's the, that's the new focus. Brilliant. And online as well as the in-person. Yeah. 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 Just, like just online, to clarify. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, that work will be more in person because yeah. with the hands-on stuff. But I can also, uh, like, you know, I'm getting better at um, doing online assessments with people with actual uh, focus on those sort of things. And 
my online programming is still my main my main business and mainly what I do. So and I do that for sort of any any style of training. Um, I would be I guess better at sort of performance um, and and that sort of thing. But anything technical like even if it's just weightlifting or uh, something like that, I'm I'm generally pretty good at putting that off in the old you know, video analysis and everything like that. So. Uh, I can I can I I can attest to that. I, I, I wish I had a video of my Olympic lifts from the start and then just to compare them and then that would be enough. <laughs> yeah, I really need to start doing that. I is, is getting the before and afters. I sometimes, you know, work with someone for a couple of weeks and you see the improvements and you're going, oh man, I didn't, I didn't save that. <laughs> that starting point. Need to get those testimonials up, eh? Hey, uh, luck has to be done. We all we all leave some things in the long finger. I do I do with the testimonials as well sometimes. <laughs> But uh, that was fucking class, man. I really enjoyed that. Thanks for coming on. Boo, boo, boo. Another one bites the dust. Boo, boo, boo. Another one bites the dust. And that's a fucking another one done. Jesus Christ, these podcasts are fairly piling up. I've been enjoying them so much. And I hope you've been enjoying them. Whoever you are, you listeners out there from Sweden, from Germany, from USA, from Australia from New Zealand, from the UK, from Ireland. I see you. I see you being spread out all over the place. And I appreciate it. I love when I see people, uh, see the numbers from people listening from all over. And what would make me feel even better and let me know that much more whether or not you enjoyed it is if you are those people that are listening from all over, send me a message. Let me know why you enjoyed it. Let me know your favourite moments or your favourite guests. Um, or... Even if it's just to let me know that you enjoyed it, just do it. I won't know unless you tell me. That being said, I hope you all have a lovely day. Thank you very much for listening. Go back to the shameless plugs at the start if you want to find out any any more info or check out the show notes. And of course, go and follow Andy and myself if you don't already. Enough talking. You have a lovely day. Thank you so much for listening. Peace.